Hey everybody, it's Leslie. Welcome to the 20-Minute Fitness Podcast. If this is your first time listening, then thanks for stopping by. The 20-Minute Fitness Podcast is produced every Thursday for your enjoyment, and show notes are found at www.20minute.fitness. All links are in the show notes. Also, if you're interested in some free 20-Minute Podcast merch, then tweet us your review of the podcast at shape underscore scale, and gifts will be on their way to you. And while you're there, we would love it if you click that subscribe button so you would be notified every week when we post. We've got some great interviews coming your way with many more exciting and knowledgeable and motivating people, and we would love to share their insights and stories with you. So you know the drill, rate, review, subscribe, and we will be eternally grateful. And you guys know, as always, the 20-Minute Fitness Podcast is powered by the one, the only, ShapeScale. ShapeScale is a 3D body scanner scale and fitness tracker. You step on it and it digitizes your body composition in photorealistic 3D. Now available for pre-order on shapescale.com. On this week's episode of 20 Minute Fitness, we have a very exciting guest, Alex Hutchinson. Alex is a national award-winning journalist, and you may know him as the writer for the popular Runner's World column, Sweat Science. Having competed as a middle and long-distance runner for the Canadian national team for more than 10 years, he knows a thing or two about running, and also he knows a thing or two about endurance. Which is why, in his latest book, just published in February of this year, it's an exploration into the science and mysteries of endurance. It's called Endure, Mind, Body, and the Curiously Elastic Limits of Human Performance. It's a fantastic read and really has a very straightforward approach when it comes to looking at the studies and research regarding the elements of endurance. It's available both as an audiobook and as an actual book. So if you're looking for that extra motivation during your runs, this audiobook would definitely be a recommendation of mine. You can find the link to it both in our description of this episode and also in our show notes. So without further ado, here is Alex Hutchinson. Okay, I'm a I'm a science journalist. I guess I would describe myself as these days, uh, and, and more specifically, a, a science of uh, fitness and health and endurance, um, which is kind of a uh, a narrow subspecialty. But it's it's one I've stumbled into over the last decade. Uh, my background is that I actually started out as a physicist. I did a PhD in physics and then worked as a researcher for for quite a while, or for at least in in my twenties. And I was also a, a, a distance runner. I, I ran for the Canadian national team as a track and cross country runner. And in my late 20s, I, uh, I decided to become a journalist. Uh, I went back to journalism school and worked as a newspaper reporter briefly, but just but ended up uh, trying to combine my two interests of, of science and endurance to be to, to write about the science of endurance. Awesome. Well, um, just to kind of uh, jump into some questions about your book, um, I've heard you mention that building uh, pain tolerance is not about being numb to the pain, but rather um, knowing how to reframe it or how to distract yourself from it. So do you have any methods you use in your runs that distracts or reframes pain? Um, so what kind of methods have worked best for you or have that you found in research? Yeah, so I mean, it's it's really interesting, the research that does show that if you compare people who do regular training with people who don't, uh, everyone feels pain the same like no one your, your pain sensitivity remains the same it's just your pain tolerance gets better and, and not just during exercise but in sort of all facets of life your, your tolerance of different kinds of discomfort get better which suggests that it's 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 more psychological it's learn it's learning these techniques 
the the in terms of how you develop these skills mm-hmm. um i think that, that really like not to not to make a, a say something too simple uh, but <laughs> but repeated exposure to to discomfort seems mm-hmm. to be the most effective way of doing it to repeated exposure to 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 uh you know be persisting through difficult challenges uh so in a sport in an athletic context or in a fitness context going to the gym once a day or three times a week or whatever the case it may be uh there's lots of evidence in the literature now that that actually builds your tolerance of discomfort in other contexts like you know sitting on a plane with a bunch of toddlers so so that's rather you know so my, my number one piece of advice wouldn't be like spend a lot of time uh you know meditating uh it would be do it like uh and 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 the skills will will develop gradually in the same way that your physical fitness develops gradually but there are also i mean things like mindfulness those sorts of those sorts of approaches can also help with exactly this idea of reframing pain as something that's or discomfort as something that's not something to panic about it's just information right so do you use kind of um like meditation or visualization or self-talk could any of those kind of be utilized to help that um reframing of pain uh, I think that the answer is yes. All of those can be used to to reframe pain. Um, personally, I, I don't actually spend a lot of time consciously trying to do those things. And I, I've I've been running for you know mostly most most days for the last twenty five years. So I've kind of developed my my own habits that 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 I don't need to consciously uh, think about. So I think it's it's it definitely when you're just getting into fitness, there's more uh, or getting into an exercise routine. Uh, you have to be more conscious about about these things, and I think. Uh, you mentioned self-talk, and mm-hmm. I think that's a really powerful uh, tech, technique or or, or skill. Um, we all have internal monologues. We all have, uh, um, you know, things that we tell ourselves when the going gets tough, and we're, we may not be aware of that. But if you if you, the first thing you need to do is become aware of what is it that you're telling yourself. If you you know if you go to the gym, get on the treadmill, and, and you're going for a little while and it starts to get difficult. Are you saying, oh, this sucks. I, you know, this is so hard. I can't do this. I'm a failure. Uh, because that really influences how your brain is interpreting these signals from your body. Like the, the, whatever is happening in your body, your, 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 your beating heart, you know, your legs are filling with lactate or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, the, I mean, that has some physiological reality, but what's really important is how your brain interprets it. Because if your, your decision to keep going or to slow down or to stop mm-hmm. is, is take, taken, taken, by by it, it's a decision not a you're not just thrown off the back of the treadmill because your legs can't go anymore so if you're telling yourself you can't as cliched as it sounds uh that has an impact and so if you can recognize that negative uh those those negative habits or neg- that negative monologue and find ways of replacing it with more encouraging things like you know come on you've you you've, you've prepared for this you're ready you can do this you you know you did 15 minutes uh, yesterday so you can do 20 minutes today right right and i think that kind of leads into the next question which is in your book you also talk about um the way that we interpret signals of pain largely contributes to the amount of effort that we put in um so and that the effort can actually be a determining factor in choosing to stop or not so can you explain how you see the difference between pain and effort yeah this is something that was really interesting to me that i'd, I'd never really thought about in all my sort of decades of of running and exercising that to me, if you know, if I go and run a 10k race, it's hard and it hurts, and I, I sort of mix those two concepts in my mind to 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 in a race, it's it's painful and difficult, but painful and difficult are two actually very distinct concepts, and so in the in in studies they can separate out like okay, how much does this hurt, 
how much is their physical pain versus how how much of it is just like it's hard to keep moving your legs and so effort the way some researchers define it is it's the struggle to continue against a mounting desire to stop which can be independent of how painful it is and so they do some neat, neat studies where they they get you know cyclists to to pedal all the way to exhaustion or so they can't continue anymore. Mm-hmm. Well, every you know minute or so, they're, they're giving a rating of how much physical pain are they in and how hard is the effort they're having to put out to keep going. And both of them rise. You know, exercise is both you know, painful and difficult. Mm-hmm. But at the moment where they kind of fall off the back or say, I can't continue anymore, their effort is at 10 out of 10, mm-hmm. but their pain is just at 6 out of 10. So the pain, it, it is painful, but pain isn't what made them, isn't what maxed out and made them quit. It's the effort that, that's more important. And so p- pain, in a sense, that's why I, I say that, in a sense, pain, pain is information to us for the most part, especially in the context of, you know, if, you're, if you've been, you know, training for a while, you've learned to reframe the pain. Pain is seldom what actually limits you. It's more, it's more the question that it's actually hard. You're, you're having a, you're, it's just hard to keep moving your legs because you're doing something that's difficult, not because it hurts. Right, right. Um, so you also talk about the idea of releasing the notion of times and numbers and technicality. And instead, sometimes it's best to just run in order to push your endurance. Um, so, but does that apply to somebody who is just starting out? So, because I feel that sometimes well-trained athletes can hunker down and zone out because their body knows what to do. It's kind of second nature. Um, but should the, like the principle of just going for it apply to beginners or how would you recommend that they apply it? Yeah, there's definitely some different things to think about, uh, for, you know, an experienced exerciser versus someone who's just starting. And I think, you know, to be totally honest, the biggest mistake most new exercisers make is they push too hard too often. So, mm-hmm. you know, their friends are running a 5K in two months. They want to run a 5K also. So they, mm-hmm. they start this sort of ambitious program where they want to run 5K in, in two months. And so they know they have to run, you know, 3K by after a month or whatever. And so they're, they're, they're going out there and every day is hard. And they're, they're, they're eager to achieve short-term goals. And the truth is, that's where injuries happen and that's where frustration and, and disappointment uh, tends to happen because uh, when you know when you're starting out for the first time it's you know it, it can be really difficult you, you, you know running for a minute can be a challenge and right. so uh, most people kind of overestimate what they can do in the short term they underestimate what they can do in a lot in the long term if you give yourself a year two years it's amazing how far you can go but okay. so so to, to get back to your question I think okay. um, like so thinking in terms of like where you know wearables uh you know mm-hmm. a gps watch or a heart rate monitor mm-hmm. well um you know and I, I don't use those because i've been running for so long i have a, i'm pretty tuned into what what went how easy my easy days should feel and how mm-hmm. hard my hard days should feel but i think there's a valuable role for uh for new exercisers to use those not to push them harder but to hold them back to say hey right. you know if you're running five times this week on at least three maybe four of those days you should be going at a conversational pace, a pace right. where you could chat to your running partner if, if you wanted to in, in full sentences. Mm-hmm. Uh, and if you can't, you need to slow down. And if and if you can't run well, keeping on a conversation, that means you should be doing alternating run and walk breaks. Mm-hmm. You shouldn't be going out every day and running at a pace where you literally can't converse with the people you're with. Otherwise, you're, you're pushing too hard too often. Right. And I think that's a refreshing perspective, especially kind of in this era of, you know, 
CrossFit and things like that, where it's like push yourself, push yourself, push yourself. But I think when you're talking about long-term fitness, it's way more about listening to your body and trying to get that longevity out of your fitness as well. Yeah. And, and, and so part of that is finding something that you enjoy. And right. so if, you know, it can be motivating or, or sort of exhilarating to go and, and push to the wall sometimes. But if you're doing that every day or, or, you know, every workout, then, uh, for most people that, that, that's not sustainable. And so, and I would say like the exercise that I, the way I train now and the way most top runners train, I'm not, I'm not, you know, training competitively these days, but the sort of pattern that mo- that, that runners and actually athletes across a lot of sports follow is that there's, you know, one, one or two hard days a week uh, and three or four easy days a week. Right. And on the hard days, believe me, I, you know, <laughs> I, I go as hard as I can. I, 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 I don't, you know, th- those are, I actually enjoy those days, but I enjoy them because I'm only doing it once or twice a week. And the other days are, 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 are much easier. So hard days should be hard. Easy days should be easy rather than just everything being medium hard. Right. Right. So, um, when you're a beginner in running or in fitness in general, endurance seems to be the biggest kind of learning curve or adjustment period. So is there any way that you could build endurance more effectively, um, if you're just starting out? So I I would frame that as in an optimistic way, which is that, um, you know, if, if I want to be a hundred meter sprinter, uh, you know, I can train and get a little bit better, but 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 the the ceiling effect on of how much you can improve your you know your 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 vertical jump, for example, or your hundred meter sprint is pretty low. Endurance is is something that um, sh- I mean, sure there are genetic differences between people, but but there, it's amazing. It's something that really is close to what you put in is what you get out. The, the more you work at it, you will get better. So in that sense, you're you're right that that uh, endurance has a long you can call it a learning curve or you can just say that you can it had you have the potential to keep improving for a long time right and in terms of ways to to kind of accelerate that learning curve i'd go back to what i said at the beginning and say mm-hmm. i mean yeah there 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 are some training methods that are a little faster than others or some mental approaches but i, I would actually really really encourage people to be patient to mm-hmm. to not not worry about like oh can i get fit in you know 2 months instead of 3 months uh, or you know, three months instead of five months, or can I get fit in two weeks? Right. Um, I, I know, I know, we're all eager to get where we're going to go, but uh, to, to maximize your chances of a, a really positive long-term outcome, especially if you're talking about you know health and fitness as opposed to you know athletic performance, you you, you want to build slowly so that it's a positive experience. You want to be see steady progress, but not not get fixated on you know what can I achieve in one week or three weeks or five weeks. But really think in terms of building a sustainable routine and the gains will come, the gains will come, but, right. but, uh, um, you know, and, and, and the gains will be surprised. You look, you look back in a year and be amazed at what you've achieved, but really I would say, don't try, try not to fixate on immediate progress. Right. Right. So, um, was there an instance, um, while writing this book about endurance, um, in your research where, um, something might have come up that you hadn't expected or that you were surprised by? Yeah, there were a few a few things like that. So, I mean, the, the, the goal of the book was to try and sort of understand limits in a variety of contexts. So all the different ways that we can reach uh, a physical maximum. And so one of the things I was thinking about was mm-hmm. oxygen, mm-hmm. Uh, which is, of course, you know, if you go running, you, you're, you're panting, you, you, th- you feel like you're running out of oxygen, but are you really? Mm-hmm. And so to, to understand that, I... <coughs> Excuse me. Oh, no I, I I looked into uh, uh, 
free diving and, and sort of extreme breath holding. Mm-hmm. And th- that's probably the single most surprising, surprising thing to me was that the world record for holding your breath without any like trickery, like pre-breathing, pre-breathing pure oxygen or anything that there's just a sort of straightforward world record is 11 minutes and 35 seconds. Wow. And, and that's a, that's mind boggling. Mm-hmm. And what was interesting to me is that, um, most of us stop, if we try and hold our breath, we run into a limit that's dictated by carbon dioxide levels in the body, which is just a warning signal. You're not actually out of oxygen. These free divers learn to, to hold their breath until they're actually out of oxygen. Right. But that's that and that allows them to hold their breath about twice as long as as even their own bodies think they're capable of. So they reach a point maybe after four or five minutes where um, their bodies are telling them that it's impossible to 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 hold the breath anymore. But they've learned that it is possible to push the path those limits. So I was surprised at how long that was. And I also think it's a kind of nice metaphor for uh, for a lot of limits that we think we encounter well you know in the gym or or, or you know in el- elsewhere in life that mm-hmm. often you reach a point where you feel like you've hit a limit um but there's actually more in reserve if you can learn how to push past right and in looking at your relationship with endurance now has it changed from let's say the beginning of writing this book to now or how has your perspective changed in relationship to endurance yeah so you know this book was a long uh, a long journey for me i uh i i started telling people that i was working on it in 2009 like i started interviewing people and saying hey i'm working on a book about the limits of endurance um and so definitely my perspective has evolved over that time and you know i started it started out for me as as a kind of outgrowth of my interest in running and, and a kind of curiosity of how fast i could have been was there was there any way i could have been faster had i reached my absolute limits but uh as i tried to sort of struggle with defining endurance and understanding what endurance was my definition kept getting broader and broader and you know the the sense i came away with is that uh you know when you talk about endurance again you know in the context of you know studying for an exam or uh, or you know sitting through an uncomfortable you know bus ride or for hours or, or whatever mm-hmm. the case may be it, it seems like it's a metaphor to compare that to to running a marathon but actually when i looked into the research my my understanding now is that it's fundamentally the same thing. Whether you're running a marathon or whether you're, you know, studying for an exam, uh, you're. What matters is the the internal struggle in your mind to to again the struggle to continue against a mounting desire to stop. So I think it's actually the same thing. Mm-hmm. And, and and while I was writing the book, you know, I had I had two I had I have a two year old and a four year old daughter now, so they were both bored and it, it, during the process of writing this book, right. uh, and so you know I was putting in some very long sleepless nights and, <laughs> and, uh, uh, you know, learning patience and things like that. <laughs> yeah. and, and, and so uh, again, my, my concept of endurance kept expanding to, cause I was thinking, you know, this is, this is pushing my endurance as, as surely as any, you know, uh, marathon ever did. Right. So, um, so yeah, I, I to me, I, endurance, I, I come away with this, with the perspective that thinking about endurance isn't just thinking about how you can run a faster marathon it's it's really one of the sort of essential mm-hmm. challenges in life it's something that we face in, in in all sort of aspects of our lives and how we how we how we cope with this and how we learn to push back against the limits of our endurance is really something that's important in how how we progress through life i think yeah for sure i mean it definitely seems like patience and endurance kind of go hand in hand and um endurance seems to be you know everywhere now <laughs> But um, kind of pivoting. Um, so, do you have any recommendations as far as pre-run nutrition goes, or do you have like a go-to snack or drink or anything like that? 
Yeah. So, I mean, mm-hmm. I, I'm a, I'm a real, uh, I don't know if the traditionalist is the right word, but I'm a, <laughs> I'm a, I'm a, I'm a very simple, a simple man. Mm-hmm. I, I, I use no fancy products. I, you know, I, I, when I need to refuel, I, you know, I'll, I'll have a banana after a workout or a, you know, and a glass of milk and uh, a sandwich or something like that. If I, I, someone asked me a while ago, what, if I had any like unique nutritional things that I did and uh-huh. I, and I, 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 I revealed my, my deep secret, my, my favorite <laughs> uh, sandwich as a kid, which I used to call the tripleicious, <laughs> which was uh, a piece of bread with uh, peanut butter, honey, and cheddar cheese on top. <laughs> oh my God. Um, and so for me, that's actually, you know, it's actually a pretty, uh, you know, it, it's filling, it provides quick energy and uh-huh. lasting energy. It's got some protein and some fat and some carbs. So, uh, you know, I, I don't recommend uh-huh. that as like the, 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 the breakfast of champions or anything right. like that. But but if you need a quick and lasting uh, snack that's going to stick to your ribs, yeah, give the triple issues a try. Okay. Cheese, peanut butter, and honey. Got it. <laughs> I'll absolutely. Have to give absolutely. It. I know I know how it sounds. <laughs> don't, I, I, trust me, I, I understand it doesn't sound good, but if you get it, if you get the balance right, it's actually delightful. Oh, okay. I'll have to give it a try then. Um, so um, also, I was wondering um, what your take on music during running was so um some believe it can really boost your endurance but what is your opinion on music kind of boosting mental stamina yeah this is a really interesting one and it's really tough to answer in in generalities because and there's been some good research on this that because meaning or or music carries meaning to people Mm -hmm. and so uh you know and the lyrics for example or the emotional associations with a given song uh, you know, one song might be a huge pump up song for someone and, and, and the same song for someone else might remind them of some, of, of something, uh, uh, you know, an experience and it might actually, you know, bring tears to their eyes or, or slow them down. Yeah. Uh, the, the general, the most general thing you can say about running with music or exercising with music is that it distracts you, which is a, a double edged sword. So it, because it's distracting you, you're no longer thinking as much about, man, this hurts. So mm-hmm. it will increase your subjective uh, for the most, in most contexts in general, it will, it will make you subjectively, uh, enjoy the, the experience more. Mm-hmm. Um, the, 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 the other side of the knife is that, um, if you're sort of running along, enjoying a, a lovely song, uh, this distraction may mean that you or for a lot of people means that they slow down. Right. They, they, so they end up pushing less hard. So they're enjoying themselves more, partly because they're, you know, digging the tunes and partly because they're actually not pushing as hard. So, uh, there's some context where music can be really helpful to help you get through a run. Uh, there may be some times where if you're trying to, you know, run a certain pace or mm-hmm. achieve a certain goal in a workout, uh, that, that music may be not the ideal thing, or, uh, you may have to, as many people do think really carefully about your, your playlist and, and what songs you're listening to when, and that's going to be something you have to figure out on your own because the meaning you bring to the the music may be totally different from someone else. Right. Well, um, thank you so much for joining us today, Alex. Um, that kind of wraps up, um, our time for today. Um, but where can people find you across social media? Easiest place to find me is on Twitter. My handle is sweat science. And that's whenever I write an article or, or find, see something that's interesting. That's, that's where I post. I do have a website at alexhutchinson.net. Um, and yeah, that's, those are probably the easiest places to find me. Awesome. Well, thanks so much again, Alex. 
So thank you so much, guys, for listening to this week's episode of 20 Minute Fitness. And feel free to reach out to us on Twitter at shape underscore scale to share your ideas on what we should cover next or who we should interview next. And if you have any questions, tweet at us or send us an email at podcast at 20 minute.fitness. And again, thank you so much to Alex for being such a knowledgeable and interesting guest and just an interesting person to talk to. I hope you guys walked away with a little bit of a new perspective about endurance. And if you're interested about learning more, then you can go get his book. It's out right now. So log on to Amazon, walk to your Barnes and Noble, go get this book because it's seriously interesting and well worth the read. So I hope I meet you guys back here next week and thanks so much for listening. Bye.